better, happier, more productive. The incomparable. Number 512. April 2020. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell. This episode is a draft. I hope you're wearing flannel. Uh, it's the 90s album draft. We're going to be picking uh, music from albums. We're going to be picking the albums, not the music on them. Technically, it's the album uh, from the 1990s. And I'm being joined by a, an enormous group of people to uh, to discuss this. And to uh, they're going to pick their favorite albums. And they're going to be uh, taken off the board. Already off the board, by the way. I'll just say this right now. Episode 288 and 289, we just did an album draft of literally any album that was ever released ever. <laughs> And those are off the board. So if uh, it was from the 90s and it was picked already as two of the ones I put on my list and said, oh, boy, I'm going to pick these. Oh, no, I already picked those. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those are those. You can't pick those. You can't pick those. Uh, Let me introduce in the order in which they'll pick in this draft Mm -hmm. as chosen by random.org. My many, many, many many panelists brian hamilton <laughs> will pick first hi brian no way. Woo! all right <laughs> i got my front row all access pass to the 90s album draft <laughs> well be careful that row gets a little wet it's <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's an orca i did do you not know there's an Don't orca in the splash zone yeah please. it is it is a uh, quinn rose will pick second hello Wow, I'm very happy with second row, right out of the splash zone, but still front and center. <laughs> yeah, Brian may be leaping up there in a minute when the orca emerges. Uh, Sarah Gardner, back on The Incomparable again. She's going to pick third. Hello. Hi, thank you. Uh, this is the last time I listen to anything new, so this is great. <laughs> awesome. You are current for the 90s. Uh, That's right. J- James Thompson uh, listened to music in the 90s, I understand. Hello. Hello, I'm I'm just glad that I'm in front of Anthony because he's the one who's going to steal all my best picks. Damn you! Uh, picking fifth, a mulatto, an albino, a mosquito, my libido. I don't know. I don't understand yeah. that song. It's Erica Ensign. Hello. <laughs> Hi. I have already been sniped by myself in our previous album draft. I was a little disappointed when I checked this morning. So, oh well. Damn you, past Erica. Yep. <laughs> uh, ooh, you. I feel just like Buddy Holly, and you're Mary Tyler Moore, Tiff Arment. Oh, you got that. That's so good. Isn't it ironic? It, it is so ironic. <laughs> well, actually, irony is a... No, never mind. Uh, Shelly Brisbane is uh, is going to pick after Tiff. Hi, Shelly. Hey there. Bringing up the back part of the enormous panel. I'm getting more enormous as the days go along during the pandemic. Hey. Hey. It's good to have you here. Uh, fitter, happier, more productive. Anthony mm. Johnston. Hello. <laughs> hello now at last you can all come see the world through my eyes (laughs) excellent excellent anyway here's wonderwall steve lutz hi hey there jason i got two turntables and a microphone you probably won't hear from the two turntables all that much but the microphone sure (laughs) that's good it's good best for a podcast like this uh picking after steve and i'm sorry monty uh ashley you were you were picked uh, last by (laughs) random.org i'm a walking study in demonology (laughs) (laughs) and i will pick last from whatever albums are left on the floor in the various artists bin i don't know where they are I'll, i'll get my cd from the uh from the bargain bin at the end and that's it we're going to go around and we're going to pick albums and once they're picked you can't pick them again because that would be dumb and uh, we're going to start with brian brian pick a <laughs> 90s album to... <laughs> this is brilliant i don't know what you're talking about steve 
Brian Hamilton. Wow, I'm so excited I get to go first. So I get to pick my number one choice that I was concerned would be sniped by other people here. It is If You're Feeling Sinister by Bell and oh, Sebastian. Oh, very nice. Mm. But if you are feeling sinister, go up and see a minister. He'll try in vain to take away the pain of being a hopeless unbeliever. One of my all-time favorites, my favorite, Bell and Sebastian. Uh, it is the perfect mix of like bright summery music and ennui. Uh, boy, oh boy, is it delightful. <laughs> uh, I listen to it when I'm happy. I listen to it when I'm sad. And I listen to it when I miss uh, the time of my life when I discovered it. Uh, only a few years ago when uh, it was bright and summery out, but I was still a little concerned about the future, you know? Uh, it, it, it really is one of the albums that I carry with me through life the most. If you're feeling sinister, Bell and Sebastian. Now, Brian, you said you listen to it when you're happy and when you're sad. Do you listen to it when you're feeling sinister? Uh, no, that's when I call the minister. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I'm shocked to say I've been sniped by uh, Brian oh, Hamilton. Wow. This, is, this is the one I was most concerned about being sniped on my list. This is, yeah, it's a good choice because this is, uh, although it's possibly the tweeest album ever made, it is so musically lovely and lyrically clever that you just don't care. It's a great album. Also made down the road from me. <laughs> Quinn, it's your choice. Well, I'm really happy that I'm uh, in the first little section here because my first pick is Jagged Little Pill by Linus Morissette. love this album for me this is like the definitive 90s album it was a cultural reset um i just love so many songs from it i it entered my life um when not when it was first released obviously because i was not born yet but um as an adolescent i did have my my like same jagged little pill phase i listened to a lot i went through a breakup a couple years ago and i got really into it again and i'm like this is gonna seem like a that's what it's for (laughs) <laughs> this is going to seem like a warning sign to other people but like it really is great it has so many good songs and i also it's now been adapted into a broadway musical that i've seen a few times and i really like as well and they that broadway musical makes the amazing choice to adapt the song ironic into a high schooler doing a spoken word poem in her class and her classmates tell her that's not what irony means <laughs> and it's just such a beautiful way to deal with that song uh, and yeah, the song You Ought to Know is one of the most iconic songs ever, and it deserves to be because it's phenomenal. So my number one choice, Jagged Little Pill. Bravo. I still remember uh, being in college and having just I was having a really, really bad week. And I woke up one morning and I was like, screw this. I'm not going to class. So I walked downtown to B-Side Records and I bought myself Jagged Little Pill. And that Incredible. was a great choice. I remember <laughs> at San Diego Comic-Con in 93, I think. Was it 93? some year in the 90s probably uh, a friend of mine rushed up to me with headphones and said you have to listen to this song and she was just going <laughs> around to everybody we knew making them listen to you ought to know <laughs> i might have the unpopular opinion i think that the new acoustic version is so much better it's so good i haven't heard it I like this album a lot, but it does make me think awful things about Dave Coulier, which... <laughs> yep. <laughs> Papa video, Papa video ruined it. <laughs> All right, I've got one hand in my pocket and the other one is entering names of panelists into random.org. <laughs> Sarah Gardner, what's your choice? So uh, I'm about to make Steve mad, I think. 
Is Uh-oh. that okay? Yes. <laughs> it's, in fact, it's recommended. It's not only okay, it's, it's encouraged. Yes. <laughs> so my pick is in line with uh, what Quinn had said, but a little bit, I think, stronger, or at least more, more meaningful to me, and that's Liz Fair's Exile in Guyville from 1993. Ah, uh, you do make me angry. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I kept standing six feet one instead of five feet two. If there's a theme to any of my favorite artists and albums, it's that they say things out loud, I would think, but keep to myself. And Liz Fair is the height of that for me as a woman. This is really crass and unapologetic, and singing along with her feels like a movement. She gives voice to a lot of anger and disappointment we've been told we're not allowed to feel. And this might be the most personally important album that I own, so... I have to take it first. I feel like Liz herself would appreciate you taking this from me. So good for you. <laughs> yeah, good for me. Yeah. <laughs> also, I get to say swears when I sing along, which is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this album is groundbreaking in so many ways and sometimes quite naughty, which I very much enjoy. So many swears. <laughs> Although on certain, certain days, I feel like I might like Whip Smart just a little bit better, but it's, it's, a, tough, it's a tough thing. After uh, Sarah's very heartfelt uh, description of why this is significant, I'm glad nobody leaned into the, it's it's fine. It's fine. (laughs) It's good. You can do that. It's totally okay. You're all very nice. You're all very nice. Um, James Thompson, it's your choice. So I, I was discussing this draft earlier in the week with friend of the show, Mike Hurley, and he said that if nobody picked What's the Story, Morning Glory by Oasis, he was going to be very upset. So my pick for this round is the 1991 debut album by British electronica outfit, The Orb. The Orb's <laughs> Adventures Beyond the Ultraworld. And uh, on episode 48 of Inquisitive on Relay FM back in 2015, you can hear me speak at length about why I love this album. But even more importantly, you can hear that Mike absolutely detested it. It was the only album in the entirety of that show that he couldn't even finish listening to. And I'm here to say that Mike is completely and utterly wrong. And it remains the only lasting disagreement that we have between us. Wow. Pretty early in the draft for a spike pick, but I like it. Um, I mean, it starts with Little Fluffy Clouds, which still remains one of my favorite songs of all time. Classic. And it's basically a continuous two-hour ambient house sampling drug uh, masterpiece. And I recommend that everybody listens to it and tells Mike that he's wrong. And what drugs would you recommend we take while we're listening to it? <laughs> I, I'm yeah, caffeine. Uh, okay. Okay. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I remember that that uh, that episode. It's hilarious. Because he, <laughs> yes. So now you you put you not only picked a, an album that Mike hated, but you you just held what's the story morning glory out there and went, mm, but nope, nope, I'm not going to pick it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Erica, it's your choice. 
All right. Well, since I already sniped myself uh, by picking a Jayhawks album, I'm kind of okay with it because that just means I get to pick another album by the Jayhawks, which is one of my favorite bands of all time. And I kind of waffled back and forth between Hollywood Town Hall and Tomorrow the Green Grass because I feel like I could make a perfect album if I took songs from each of the two of them and put them together. Uh, but in the end, I landed on Tomorrow the Green Grass because it has some of my all-time favorite Jayhawks songs. Uh, it has Blue. Uh, the song Blue was actually used as the like intro and outro music for the VH1 show Crossroads. I don't know if you remember that particular video show, but it was the the little acoustic guitar riff from the from Blue by the Jayhawks, which would play whenever they were going like to commercial or away from commercial. And so I feel like that is like the most quintessentially 90s thing that you could possibly get. Where have all my friends gone? They've all disappeared. Turn around, maybe one day you're all that was there. Stood by on believing. Stood by on my own. And uh, and yeah, the Jayhawks still. Uh, when I was picking albums, I decided I was only going to pick albums that I did actually listen to in the 90s because otherwise the the, the list was just going to be way too long and, and I was going to have to narrow it down that way. And uh, we got this like as soon as it came out because we had just discovered the Jayhawks just before uh, before that. So um, this is this is my pick as my second favorite Jayhawks album from the 1990s. Okay. Uh, listen to uh, that old episode where you picked that other Jayhawks album for my anecdote about seeing the Jayhawks open for Matthew Sweet. It was the <laughs> 90s people and not so really was. liking them. I bet the sound mix was terrible <laughs> because I saw them open for the Wallflowers and their sound mix was terrible. But the, uh, they obviously Matthew Sweet was listening to the Jayhawks because he mm-hmm. when he was in the Thorns, he covered Blue and it was a hit. So uh-uh. it all comes back I around. I didn't know that. It's true. Very cool. Well, I got more. I got more. More trivia, 90s music. I was there. Uh, Tiff, it's your choice. <laughs> Ooh, this is tricky for me right now because I just had the thought that someone might stipe my next one. We're going to get another round, right? Did what, you say you stipe or are you taking an REM pick? Snipe, snipe my next one. So I might strategically pick one that's actually my second pick. Nah, that's, that's never done. That's draft strategy at its yep. finest. Okay. Um, Although I'll remind you that in incomparable drafts, if somebody picks, somebody snipes you, it just means that you get to talk about their pick and your pick. So it's not <laughs> the worst thing in the world. But you choose. Yeah, but then I don't have it. It's not mine. It's true. Um, <laughs> all right, I'm going to go with my original. It's going to be Bare Naked Lady Stunt, which came out in yes. 1988. Yes. Hydrofield cuts through my neighborhood. And somehow that always just made me feel good. I love this album. I've always loved this album. Anytime I talk about albums, I talk about this album. And I just, I really like Bare Naked Ladies. They're fun. They're wordy. They are, they're deeper than they appear to be when you listen to their songs. And that's what makes me love Sunt is that it has gotten me through a whole bunch of different things, whether I'm happy or sad or upset. And I find meaning in a lot of their songs that um, I need right at the moment. It's just, um, it's a nice little, I don't know audio healing bomb <laughs> is, that, <laughs> is that a thing is that a thing it is now it is now but mm-hmm. yep it's been a long time since i listened to that album but it's <laughs> <good. laughs> and I, just, I love wordy songs i love trying to learn to sing to fast lyrics and it's just it's a really really great album and i don't think i could live on a desert island without it i was gonna say something about this album but it's all been done so i'm, I'm not gonna say anything else. <laughs> all right never is enough 
Well, we'll see if you regret that choice if something if you get sniped or not in the next round. But you can't regret it because you got now the album you want. That's, That's the most true. Important as long thing. as I have this one, I'll be okay. All right, Shelly. So I'm picking the only one I think even has the remotest chance of being sniped. I, it was my second pick, and then I said, you know, maybe I better jump on it. It is Joan Osborne's Relish from 1995. Hmm. The hits from this one, uh, One of Us and Spiderweb. I remember the video for Spiderweb really well. And I bought the album thinking, oh, well, then I'll, now I'll have these songs because remember back in the 90s, you had to buy things. But <laughs> the whole rest of the album is really amazing. And there's so much crossover in genres. There's blues and there's rock and there's pop. The writing is really great. Joan Osborne wrote a lot of these songs with a cast of several people who were her uh, longtime collaborators. And it's just a really great album. And I don't think a lot of people know it because there was so much hype around One of Us, which was incredibly overplayed. I happen to love that song, but it was so overplayed in 95 that I feel almost weird saying this album out loud. But having listened to the whole (laughs) thing in the past week... I'm like, nah, I'm good with it. It's a great record. All right. Anthony, can you tell me your philosophy of what albums you're picking from here? Because sometimes you pick things that I've never heard of. But I think you were saying earlier that you, you've sort of like taken taken the metal and just kind of put it aside and are, are, are going a little more mainstream. Yeah, I don't well, know. S- I, I wonder s- about your cho- your choices. So tell me. Explain. Yeah. Well, the same as I did in the 80s draft, which is, yeah, I'm not picking any metal uh, just because, you know, you either love it or you don't, and I don't want to force it on incomparable listeners. If they're not interested, they're not interested. If force you it. Force it on If you want to hear me talk about metal, I have an entire other podcast where I do that all the time. That, that actually helped me whittle down my list a lot all right. because 90s metal was the pinnacle of metal, in my opinion. So that really mm. helped. Uh, I am very pleased to note that so far there is zero crossover between anybody else's picks and mine in both directions. And Same I don't just mean albums, but even bands. It's uh, so that's great. However, uh, I'm pretty confident that I am going to be sniping at least two people with mm-hmm. my first pick. So two bad suckers. Uh, it is <laughs> a basically perfect album, which had a profound effect on pop music and in fact, rock and dance music as well and changed the band's entire career. And it is Violator by Depeche Mode from 1999. Yep, Nobody expected this album after the previous one, Music for the Masses. Uh, I remember one contemporary review, I think it might have been the NME, it sounds like them, that said, Depeche Mode has finally found the hi-hat button on their drum machine. (laughs) 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 I mean, it's fair, but what's most amazing about this album is that it's still somehow sounds absolutely fresh today thanks to such incredible production by Alan Wilder and Flood. It is, like I said, it's a perked album from World in My Eyes through Personal Jesus, Enjoy the Silence, the closing ominous redemption of Clean. It was the absolute creative peak of their career. Martin Gore's best songs, Dave Garn's best performance, Andrew Fletcher's best Fletch, just everybody <laughs> firing on all cylinders. I mean, it even made Anton Corbyn's career, and he was just the photographer. It's it's brilliant. Waiting for the night, a minimalist masterpiece. It is such a great album. Absolute number one pick. That's a great album. Yes, yeah, it is. That was on my list too. So I figured it would be. <laughs> <laughs>
It makes sense. It makes sense. Uh, it's funny because a lot of what you just described there could have also described an album on my list, but it's not Ooh. that album. So we'll see if I yeah. choose it. All right. Let's take a quick break from the draft festivities for a message from one of our sponsors. This episode is brought to you in part by Pingdom from Solar Winds. While you've been listening to us draft music from the 90s, how would you know if your website had gone down? Would you know if customers couldn't click the buy now button or access your content? Now, you might stumble across this problem by luck, but that's no good. And besides which, we know what would really happen is you'd get an angry email from someone. <laughs> uh, you need a system. You need a system to tell you when things are wrong on your website. Um, and especially, you need to be alerted as quickly as possible or have the right people alerted as quickly as possible. This is why you need Pingdom. Pingdom detects. 13 million outages every month, more than 400,000 outages a day, 400,000 times a day, somebody's server betrays them. But you can fight back. Pingdom helps keep your sites and all the sites you love out there on the internet online. It doesn't matter if you have a startup, a small business, or are working in IT for a huge company. You need alerts about critical website issues. Pingdom will let you customize how you're alerted depending on the severity of the outage. They'll track and analyze your website's load time so you can see what's affecting the overall user experience. It isn't just about, is the site up or down? Are parts of the site up or down? Is the site running slow? You can get all that information, and it doesn't really matter how big your site is. You just need to try Pingdom. There's a no-fuss approach to getting started. All they need is your URL. That's it. They'll take care of the rest. Go to pingdom.com slash Snell right now and get a 14-day free trial, no credit card required. And when you sign up, use my last name as the code Snell at checkout. You'll get 30% off your first invoice. Thank you to Pingdom from SolarWinds for supporting the incomparable and keeping our websites up and running. Steve. It's your oh, turn. Oh, is it me? Really? It is. We're all the way to the back end of the list Wake already? Wake up, Steve. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Got to blow off the dust off my list here. Since this is an album draft, I feel like I should pick something that holds together as a cohesive statement. And looking over my list, there are surprisingly few of those. I feel like the album really died in the 90s as kind of a thing. Um, and I also, I, I was a little surprised how high on my list this ended up. But uh, I feel like I got to reach down and pick it. It's not, it would not be my top pick, but I feel like this is maybe the only one that uh, that somebody might snipe. Um, of course, I, 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 I thought that before uh, Bell and Sebastian and Liz Fair got taken, so things change. Um, but I'm picking uh, <laughs> Pulp, Different Class, from 1995, hey. which I think of as sort of the sinister side of the Britpop years. In fact, I'd say the theme of the album is, it's all right for you with your happy, fun time Britpop. Out here in the real world, we know that everything sucks, and here's why. <laughs> Obvious highlight here is uh, Jarvis Cocker's lyrics, which are just brilliantly witty and acerbic and I think more openly pissed off at the state of things than sneakily satirical. Um, it's clearly a direct response to the rest of Britpop. I mean, I love I love Blur dearly, but Damon Albarn all, often sounds like he's slumming with the working class because he thinks it's so cool. And Jarvis Cocker sounds more like he's from the wrong side of the tracks, and he doesn't appreciate the fact that Damon is visiting. Um, but the music shouldn't be discounted either. Some of it is fairly straight-ahead pop, but it's filled with a lot of interesting major to minor chord changes and these odd little synthesizer flourishes that sort of add a, an unsettled feel to things. And frequently they'll just break into these sections that are just overstuffed with music and sound almost cinematic. Um, the overarching feeling of the album is uh, kind of a sense of like painful, aching need, and, and listening to it is sort of like being 
a gawky kid who's madly in love with someone who sits across the class from you but doesn't know you exist and if they did you'd think or they'd think you were weird and off-putting anyway. Uh, I'm sure that's a huge stretch for most of us, but uh, it's just a, a great album that uh, that is is musically wonderful, lyrically wonderful. Highlight for me is uh, "Sorted for Ease and Whiz," which tells the sorry tale of a guy who goes to a secret outdoor rave with his friends, hopped up on ecstasy and speed, only to be slapped in the face with the sudden realization that it's all hollow and meaningless, and he's still got hours to go before he comes down off the drugs, and he can't leave because his friends took off and left him without telling him. And if there's ever been a better metaphor for the sudden onset of adulthood, I haven't heard it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I did have a hard time deciding between this and the follow-up, This is Hardcore, um, if different classes like the all night rave with the persistent sinking feeling that there's going to be a hell of a hangover in the morning, this is hardcore is the hangover and it's far, far worse than you ever imagined. Um, <laughs> I actually, I actually think that is a better album, but on any given day, I'd probably rather listen to different class. So it is my first pick. talking about class tourism i mean jarvis himself you know knows a few things about that uh i've often i don't think has anybody ever uh definitively said who common people is was written about because it is a fairly common thing in uh british universities fairly common phenomenon and is it? uh yeah you, yeah and you mentioning like the f- feeling about uh damon albarn slumming it with the lower classes mm, i have wondered from time to time yeah i mean he's clearly not a, a lower class fellow and he's an art school type and it, it could be a direct response to him. I don't think I've ever heard anybody officially say who it's about, but it's interesting that that was, uh, that was written before most of the rest of the album. It's like Jarvis hit upon something there and then he realized, Oh, I've got to write more like this. And yeah. uh, <laughs> here's the theme. Yeah. All right. Monty, believe it or not, it's down to you. I am not worried about being sniped by the likes of you people. (laughs) Uh, I would like to put my pick in sort of a cultural context. Uh, So I'm going to start with the mention of Liz Fair earlier. Exile and Guyville came out in June 1993. And that was sort of like the crest of angry female-led rock. There had been a few years of Riot Girl stuff. L7 had their uh, Great Bricks Are Heavy album the previous year. A month before Exile and Guyville, PJ Harvey had an amazing album called mm. Rid of Me. Yay. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and hey. I'm going to quote Melody Maker. Uh, no other British artist is so aggressively exploring the dark side of human nature or it's illogically black humor. No other British artist possesses the nerves, let alone the talent, to conjure up its soundtrack. I am not picking Rid of Me. <laughs> I am picking four-track demos. That's an album she released in October of 93, which is the demo version of the songs from rid of me and it is incredible when rid of me came out everybody thought wow this album is so raw she's so angry then four track demos came out and you found out how great she was without any production at all i can't say enough about how exciting four track demos was to listen to when it first came out because you had a rock star and 
1993, PJ Harvey was a rock star. I realize the culture has forgotten about her by now. But she just gave us the purest, rawest, angriest version of all of her songs, and it's incredible. Four-track demos, PJ Harvey. I implore people to listen to it. Wow, sounds great. That's the first so good. artist crossover with my list, yeah. You, bingo, <laughs> you did it. <laughs> you, you cracked Anthony's code. Oh, no. It's all downhill yeah. from here. But I did have Rid of Me, not Four Track Demos. Well, Rid of Me is very, very good. But after you listen to Rid of Me, Four Track Demos takes what are already great songs and I think makes them even greater because it's just <laughs> the artist performing them at you. You don't notice the production until you hear the songs unproduced, mm. if that makes sense. Right, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, I was I was torn about my strategy because uh, it's down to me now. We're actually at the end of the first round. It's amazing. Um, I, you're doing great, everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think about the albums I listened to the most in the 90s, and then I think about albums that I appreciate to this day from the 90s. And I also think about albums that kind of that that represent things I like about music from the 90s and how music changed, pop music changed in the 90s. And I mix them all up and it's like it, it, it's hard for me to get a handle because I think I would have different choices based on any of those. Um, I am I'm going to go for for the album that best fits all of those categories, though. It's an album I listened to an awful lot in the 90s. It is. Um, uh, an album that I love to this day from a band I love to this day. And I feel like it, it takes the kind of um, melodic, almost Beatlesque pop music that I've always loved, along with some of the sensibility of the music of the 90s in which there's a lot more feedback in guitar and, uh, and puts it together in a way that's just delightful. And uh, given that one of the members of this band recently passed away, um, I especially want to honor it here with my first choice. It's the self-titled Fountains of Wayne from 1996. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love this album. I love almost every song on it. Yes, I don't like You Curse It Girls, so sue me. But it's a great album. Um, Chris Collingwood and Adam Schlesinger, uh, different songwriters and yet complimentary whether they're writing their own songs or collaborating on songs, you've got uh, a song like Radiation Vibe, which to me feels like a quintessential 90s sound. Um, but you've also got some quieter stuff like She's Got a Problem and Barbara H. and Sick Day that uh, harken back, to, of course, to the Beatles and the Beach Boys. Uh, I, I, I listen to this album all the time to this day. And while uh, I think Welcome Interstate Managers, which I picked in our first album draft is their best album. It's by a nose over the self-titled album. Uh, I love it. And uh, rest in peace, Adam Schlesinger. It was a revelation. I actually found this album because I read an article in People Magazine, of all things, at my parents' house about who the guy who wrote that the song That Thing You Do and that he had a, a, a rock band that had just come out with an album. And I immediately bought it and I was not disappointed. 
not close. Yeah, I didn't put any Fountains of Wayne on my list only because I did not discover them in the 90s. So it would have ah, broken my rules. Uh, your, my your rules. But, rules. but I, I am very glad that you that you have chosen I this bought this. Because, I bought the yes. CD in 1996. Awesome. When it was released. And it's uh, mm-hmm. it's great. It's so good. All right. We're back around to the top of the order. Wake up, Brian Hamilton. It's your choice again. <laughs> All right. Wow. We're doing so well on time. I can talk for 45 minutes about my favorite <sighs> album from the 90s. Wonderful. No. Um, so this is in stra- draft strategy style. This is my actual favorite album from the 90s, but I was pretty sure it would not get sniped. And lo and behold, it has not. It is a double album, which makes it my Desert Island album. You're, you're hoarding songs now. It is 1999's The Fragile by Nine Inch Nails. Oh, you got me. Oh, Oh, heck yeah. (laughs) Interesting Nine Inch Nails pick. I love it. It's it's my favorite Nine Inch Nails album. When I think about my journey through the Nine Inch Nails back catalog when I discovered it, I started at With Teeth in 2005 and then went back chronologically from the start. So when Pretty Hate Machine, Broken, Downward Spiral, which each had their own individual kind of like strange, unique sound, The Fragile took everything mashed it together, and then threw in a whole bunch more melancholy, which is exactly what I was going for when I discovered Nine Inch Nails. Uh, This is their, not their only double album, but their first double album. And uh, they filled it not only with really great uh, songs that didn't get too much radio play, but uh, some radio play, uh, some good rock music. But they also had a ton of instrumental music that gave way to their, you know, four-hour-long magnum opus of instrumental music in uh, 2010 or so. And I loved it. um, it is still my favorite album of the 90s. It's got some great hits. And because, again, it's a double album, much more sweeping in its scope, I revisit it the most of any Nine Inch Nails album because in any given mood I am in, there is a song on the fragile that pertains to where I am. Like, if you're feeling sinister, for example, would you listen to The Fragile? <laughs> oh, I would abs- I would call the minister, then listen okay. to The Fragile. <laughs> Brian, you make me feel so old. <laughs> I had the, the, the downward spiral as one of mine. And it there was a... Me too. A, the, the copy yeah. I had came, I think it was further down the spiral, which was remixes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I actually yeah. liked some of the remixes of that more. But yeah, no, that's that's an excellent choice and I'm quite annoyed. I own what four copies of the Downward Spiral and all the reissues, all the different, <laughs> all the different pressings. Okay, you can have it. That's fine. Okay, yay. <laughs> um, oh, by the way, when Brian mentioned melancholy, there, I just want to be clear. He was talking about the emotion and not melancholy and the infinite sa- sadness, the infinite sadness. Uh, uh, by Smashing Pumpkins, which is still available. So, who's that? Moving on to Quinn. <laughs> I am for some reason like full of adrenaline now that I am secure that I will actually get both of my top two picks in this draft. Yeah, this is why we draft. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, it's skated right barely into the 90s. It was released in January of 1990 and it wow. is Flood by They Might Be Giants. Okay. Uh, also on my list. Oh, it's a brand new album for 1990. <laughs> I'm going to type in, they must be giants. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Reference acknowledged. 
I um, I actually had not listened to They Might Be Giants for a long time. Roughly 300 people told me that I would like them. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll get around to it eventually. And then one day, a couple years ago, I clicked play on a, a uh, alternative 90s. Ago. Calm down. <laughs> I clicked play on an alternative 90s Spotify playlist because that's what I like to listen to. And the first song I started playing was Birdhouse and Your Soul and it changed my life. I was like, what is this? Um, that is really is one of my favorite songs ever. I listen to it on repeat when I'm feeling down and I like need to pick me up. You can hear in the end by the light switch. Who watches over you? Make a little birdhouse in your soul. Not to put too fine a point on it. Say I'm the only I've since listened to this whole album many, many times, and I love how weird it is and how fun it is and how it has like really interesting messages in one song and the next song will be like, what are you even talking about? Um, the musical styles are really varied, and so there's always something different going on, and I just love the energy and so this is one of my favorite albums and i'm really glad that no one else picked it first <laughs> that was on my list i was thinking that anthony was the person who was going to be sniping me but you and brian <laughs> actually seem to be far closer <laughs> this is what you get for making fun of us in slack that we're so much younger than you you know pick music <laughs> after we're flood is great i have seen they might be giants do a flood show where they perform the whole album live and it made me realize that i really like the first half of it more than the second half because you can't <laughs> I can't press the skip button on the band while they're playing live. So I'm like, oh, this song is not that great. But uh, there's so much good stuff on it. It's uh, And it's easy yeah. to remember when it was released because the first song tells you. Uh, Sarah, it's your choice. Okay. Well, this album is classic summer for me. It's my number one summer album always. And it's The Breeders' Last Splash from 1993. Oh, nice. Good, good, good choice. Yep. I like all of it. It is so cool and so bratty, and it's fun to sing along with, even though Kim can't really sing, so it makes you feel like you can sing, too. She goes all right with what she's got. Yeah, well, I have a funny story about that, actually. Um, one of my friends saw her at a karaoke bar in Chicago singing Cannonball, and she couldn't get the breaths at the beginning. She was smoking so hard. Oh. So, uh, yeah, I have that image in my head every time I listen to it, but... Yes, you know that song, but there are so many accessible, artsy singles on there. There are just so many singles. It's so catchy. And if I were ranking the albums I listen to most from top to bottom without skipping anything, it would be in the top 10 for sure. It gets to the end and I just start right over. So for me, Last Flesh. It's fantastic. Just yeah. a great, great album from top to bottom. And I, I, I always remember I bought this and... Uh, the Boo Radley's giant steps on the same day, and I consider it the best day I ever had in the 90s. <laughs> wow. Great, great album. All right, James, it's your turn. Okay, to 100% comply with all the strict rules of this mm -hmm. draft, as laid down by Jason, I'm going to, <laughs> on paper, pick the Electronica album Slipstream by the artist Cold Storage, which is an entirely legitimate choice that nobody can question. I have a confession. I question your choice. Yeah. <laughs> what I am actually drafting here is the music from the 1995 video game Wipeout as released uh. as a UK launch title for the original Sony PlayStation. Oh my God. Wipeout, for those who don't know, is Mario Kart for cool people. Oh, can and, I get Marco in here? Oh. oh, my God. And back in the 90s, it was easily the hippest video game ever made in the UK. 
And the music was done by Tim Wright at Psygnosis under the name Cold Storage. He'd also done the music for Lemmings and other such things. But probably more than anything else, this is what got me into electronic music, particularly the sort of instrumental trancey side of things. At the start of the 90s, I was listening to like Rage Against the Machine and things like that. But these tracks permanently rewired my brain into the state it remains today. And the game soundtrack itself was mostly original music. But the PAL version also had uh, extra tracks by like Left Field, Chemical Brothers, Orbital. And that was my first conscious exposure to all of that. And there is an official soundtrack album for the game, which I was looking at, but it's got, you know, things like The Prodigy and The Shame and all good choices on it too, but it doesn't have any of the original tracks. Uh, so I'm not picking that. So, uh, <laughs> yes. So I, uh, Slipstream by Cold Storage, which is a valid choice. All right. Sure. I'm glad we got the PAL version of uh, James Thompson today. Otherwise, if we got the villain yeah. version, I'd be really concerned. Unfortunately, the PAL version is off by a few uh, a fractions yep. of a second every <laughs> so second. So annoying. Uh, it just gets further and further out of sync. All right, Erica, it's your choice. All right. Uh, my other rule for for narrowing down this draft was the things that would be at the top of my list had to be things that I would still that I still listen to today. Not necessarily just things that meant a lot to me in the 1990s, but stuff that I still really liked. So that means that I am not picking Facelift by Alice in Chains, even though I really, really, really loved that album when it came out. I remember just being in love with it. And as soon as their next release uh, appeared, which was called Sap, it was an EP, uh, I you know ran to the store and picked that up and I popped it in the CD player and I listened to it and was like, what is this? It was completely different. The sound was just like, it, it still felt like Alice in Chains, but it was weird and eerie and acoustic and the harmonies were just strange and otherworldly and uh it totally totally just like seeped into my brain it had guest vocals by ann wilson from heart whom i just love so anytime i hear ann wilson's voice i'm instantaneously transported um but also uh mark arm of mudhoney and chris cornell of soundgarden and it was just like this short a brief little glimpse into something that I didn't understand at that time, like that bands could make two different things that sounded so different, but felt so much the same. Uh, but I'm still not picking sap because. Uh, <laughs> this is a power move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm still not picking sap because. Now pick a video game soundtrack. <laughs> I mean, nobody's going to go weirder than James just did, so I feel totally fine about oh, this. Okay. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. Gauntlet thrown down. Back up list it is. I take that as a compliment, really. Fair, fair. No, nobody so far has gone weirder than James just did. How about that? Uh, I also liked uh, their next big time album release which was uh which was dirt it was great um and then they released another ep called jar of flies which definitely felt more like it was continuing the the acoustic sound the sort of weirdness and like the the like deep feeling uh that sap had and in 1994 they actually did a compilation release that was both jar of flies and sap and uh that is what i am picking because i love all of those songs and they sort of they live together in my memory um when i was first starting to think about what albums to pick for this draft i was thinking of my my brother and my sister and i 
for the most part, we were fine sharing music, but every once in a while there would be a release that was like so important to each of us that all three of us had to have our own copy of the CD. And uh, Jar of Flies is one of, I think, only three releases that that actually we each had to have our own copy of because when it came out, we were so excited about it, about how good it was. Um, so so I am picking the, the 1994 release of Jar of Flies and Sap, the uh, two CD compilation. For the record, uh, Erica, although she sounds like she's rebellious, cleared this pick with me before we started. So <laughs> I totally did. That's that's me. That's how I play these games. EPs are just albums waiting to be compiled into other mm-hmm. albums. My enduring memory of Jar of Flies uh, sap is a, a house party in the black country of the West Midlands at uh, a guy who's I was in his band at the time, a guitarist, and for some reason he just stuck this on repeat throughout the entire evening and we were all too drunk to figure out how to change the cd in his massive stereo so this in the entire party was just this album on repeat it was one of the strangest nights i've ever had that's that is weird i like it that reminds me of my friend xander who used to go to roberto's on miramar avenue and play lodi on the jukebox a hundred times in succession just to irritate the hell out of everybody in the restaurant and then one play of it's not unusual how is it that the, that's the first reference to roberto's i think maybe in the history of the incomparable it seems unlikely you'd think that that with all of us who went to UCSD, we would have done it by now. All right, before we move on with the next pick, time for our other sponsor this week. It's ExpressVPN. Working from home, like you almost certainly are, probably not thinking about internet privacy because, you know, you're on your home network. You control it. It's your domain. But, you know, it's not that simple. We all know about incognito windows in order to give yourself a little extra privacy for certain tasks. But did you know that even in incognito mode, you can still be traced? Your IP address is still there. Even if you clear your browsing history, all of those things, your IP address is there. Your ISP knows every single website you've ever visited. If they want to be watching, if they want to pay attention, they will. ExpressVPN eliminates all of that. They make sure your internet service provider can't see the sites you visit. Instead, your internet connection is rerouted through their secure servers. You get their IP address. They don't know who you are. Nobody knows who you are. It's shared among thousands of different users. Everything you do is anonymized. It can't be traced back to you. And it's encrypting 100% of your data with best-in-class encryption. I have used ExpressVPN on and off for, it's got to be more than more than a year now. It's probably a couple of years. Super easy to use. I got it set up on my iPad. Easy to install. One tap, and I'm through in the VPN. Uh, and uh, I love that about it. I love the flexibility I've got. I got, I got security when I'm roaming. Uh, I look forward to roaming again sometime soon. Privacy, even when I'm at home. And yeah, occasionally I can say, oh, now I'm in Canada, or whatever I need to say at any given moment. Nobody call anybody about that. ExpressVPN is rated number one by TechRadar and Wired and The Verge and more. Use the internet and confidence on every device. Tap one button and you're protected. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free. Here's where you go. ExpressVPN.com slash Snell, my last name. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S VPN.com slash Snell. You'll get three months free with a one-year package expressvpn.com slash snell thank you to expressvpn for supporting the incomparable all right tiff it's your turn now you can snipe me go ahead 
do it. No. Oh, I'm so happy that it got back around and it didn't get picked. I'm going Weezer Blue. Yep. Come on. Yeah. Right. All right. Yep. Good yep. That was almost my first round pick because I knew you were going to, and I decided, <laughs> yeah, Tiff will take it. It's fine. Oh, it's it's perfect. It's just so 90s. I mean, come yep. on, Buddy Holly. Anytime that song plays, it's just like everyone knows you hear it. You just like it is a beautiful, wonderful album. It's so much fun. It has some really like, you know, meaningful songs like Only in Dreams. And then they have this awesome Buddy Holly and My Name is Jonas and Surf Wax America. Oh, it's just Every single song is fantastic. I love this album. I love what it means. I love Weezer albums. They mean a lot in my life. And yeah, so I'm really happy that no one took this from me because now I have two of my favorite albums in my draft. So yes, thank you. The uh, One of the greatest songs ever written about sweaters, by the way, is Undone. Yes. The sweater song. Seeing Weezer play My Name is Jonas live is one of my favorite memories I have ever, I've ever had. It's so great. <laughs> Say it ain't so. <laughs> I actually forget how good this album is. It's kind of, it's kind of, I think, diminished in stature over the years just be, because it was a little oversaturated on the radio at the time it came mm-hmm. out. But I went back and re-listened to this uh, maybe like a month or so ago, and I was like, "Wow, this this is a much better album than I remember." It's really, really great. Yeah, we were driving mm-hmm. uh, Jamie to uh, to drop her off at college, and at one point, we just listened to Blue Album all the way through um, because everybody in the car appreciates songs from that. And then you listen to the whole thing, and you think, "Oh, wow!" Like it, it, as a piece of work, it is uh, spectacular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really great. And again, it's from 1994, just so everyone <laughs> I remember coming home from school one day, and I don't even remember what was going on at the time, but I just went home and uh, nobody else was home. So I put on The World Has Turned and Left Me Here at like full volume mm. on the big stereo on repeat for like an hour. I don't remember why, but I have a very strong memory of just listening to that song over and over and over again. It was great. And it was also one of the very first CDs I ever owned, so... That's also pretty significant, especially in the 90s. That's when I started buying CDs was basically like 93 was uh, when I joined one of those record clubs and you couldn't help but get dozens of them. Oh, yeah. And while while Kiss was never my favorite rock group, I do appreciate In the Garage for getting me in that it mentions both Dungeons and Dragons and the X-Men in the span of four lines. So, yeah. Yes. Oh, I love all the cultural references mm-hmm. that Weezer uses. It's so good. And you're in your garage right now. And I am in my garage. <laughs> True. I, yeah, I got uh, I got Kitty Pride and Nightcrawler right here in my garage. Do you feel safe there? Yeah. Do you got a D20? Uh, I, I have more than one, but I don't have a Dungeon Master's <laughs> Guide because I'm more of a player's handbook kind of guy. All right. Blue Album, Weezer. <laughs> it's picked as was foretold. Tiff, you didn't let me down. Good job. Shelly? So here we go down Shelly's rabbit hole. Uh, I <laughs> oh love this album the first time I ever heard it, probably nobody else here has heard it, but, and I listened to it again thinking, well, it's one of those things from back in the 90s that I wouldn't still love, but I did. And it is Sherry Knight's Northeast Kingdom from 1997. It was 
produced between Sherry Knight and Steve Earle did most of the guitar and the production. Amy Lou Harris guests on a lot of it. It is a pop. It is an alt country. It is some songs that sound like murder ballads but aren't actually murder ballads. They're bagpipes in places. Just the atmospherics of this album are so amazing. And despite the fact that there's so much variety, there are ballads, there are sort of country danceable songs, there are the aforementioned bagpipes. It holds together as a piece and it feels like it was uh, very intentionally produced. It's the only album that, well, Sherry uh, Sherry Knight had produced an album before and then she produced this one and then she basically quit music. Her job previously and thereafter was as a horticulturalist, so there's a lot of metaphors about flowers. There's a song called Black Eyed Susan that is just great and she gets so much out of those metaphors that is just amazing and incredible and it's the kind of thing I think you have to listen to to appreciate and for me it's a desert island disc and every time I find it accidentally over the years I am amazed that I still love it as much as I do but it's it's a tremendous record Steve Earle. Um, I haven't heard this, but uh, Steve Earle, I, I like a bunch of his stuff. And this is his album. I mean, this is his record company. I think he he knew her and put this out on his label. Yes. Yeah, he did. He he had a lot to do. She had a little bit of a buzz. She went to South by Southwest that year. That album got a lot of uh, a play in alt country and Americana circles. And Steve Earle had a lot to do mm. with that. And I think what happened is that she just said, nope. no, I'm not doing music anymore. <laughs> Otherwise, she would have had a great career, I think. All right. Anthony. Uh, I am delighted and a little bit surprised, actually, that I haven't been sniped on this. So uh, in 1994, I was working at a small graphic design agency. I'm guessing what this is already. (laughs) Yeah, you know what this is, James. We were all music lovers, so we had a stereo playing pretty much constantly throughout the day. And I will never forget the day when one of the other guys brought in a brand new release, put it on, and the whole office just stopped. We just stopped working and listened to this album because none of us had ever heard anything like it and neither had anybody else really because that album was Dummy by Portishead. Yep. <laughs> I was okay. absolutely right. I love yep. that pick. Is is there still anything quite so arresting as Mr. Ron's, the opening track? And and by the end of that song, you think, oh, okay, I, I know where this album's going. I know what it's going to sound like. But you don't, because then it jangles into sour times and all bets are off. You've got Strangers, Wandering Star, Numb, Roads. I could reel off every track on the album and they're all classics. It was the 25th anniversary uh, of the release of this album last year. And on that day, that afternoon, I just put this album on and listened to the whole thing start to finish without doing anything else, which, you know, these days is much more rare than it used to be. And it it just still sounds amazing, unlike anything else. Even even Portishead themselves couldn't top this album. It's really their only great album. And yet, what an achievement. It's just so great. That's my number two pick. Have you heard the, the ABBA cover of SOS that they've done? Uh, they did it for the High Rise movie soundtrack. Um, I have it's, not. It's really good. You should uh, seek that out because okay. it's I'll like that out, yeah. they hadn't done anything for ages and then it just appeared. 
Well, they didn't do a lot at all. I mean, you know, they're really, their oeuvre is very, very small for a band that had such enormous success. But I think that was partly because they realised it's really hard to top an album like this. Yeah, I mean, it was it was on my list completely and I figured somebody else would pick it and I decided I would go slightly more alternative in my picks, but uh, I'm glad <laughs> that somebody did. Yeah, there's a reason all those songs still get played in TV shows because there's nothing else like it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, Steve. Ah, well, here we are again. <laughs> so, so look, the best the best album of the 90s is obviously my pick for best album ever, which is My Bloody Valentine's Loveless. Mm. But I've been told that I'm not allowed to pick that no, again. No, you already so... picked it. You got it. <laughs> it, it, it was yeah. in the it was in the draft of albums of all time. Of all time, yeah. That's right. Yeah where it belongs. Um, So instead, I'll take the next best thing, uh, which is the album that introduced me to shoegaze, uh, the genre to which My Bloody Valentine's Loveless belongs, uh, and thereby changed the entire trajectory of my musical listening for the 90s and beyond, and that is Whirlpool by Chapter House from 1991. Uh, I vividly remember the summer of 1991. I came in from outside and uh the video for pearl came on mtv which actually i think still played videos at the time weird uh and i was so blown away by the song that i immediately got in the car and drove to tower records which was also a Uh thing back then (laughs) uh brought it home listened to the first song i was like this is unbelievable listened to the second song i was like that's incredible listened to the third song i was like this is also incredible and just was the, the the doors were just blown off uh, of my mind. Um, typical of shoegaze, these are basically fairly straightforward pop rock songs, but they've had every available space just crammed full of sound. Uh, and those sounds have been run through every available filter until they're nearly unrecognizable as sound. Uh, it just makes everything sound larger than life. Um, and the best thing about that is that there's just so much going on and the various weird sounds interact in such interesting ways that every single time you listen, you hear something something new. Uh, and much like Loveless, I've listened to this album probably hundreds of times, and I'm still surprised by things that I've somehow missed on the hundreds of previous listens. Um, but unlike, say, My Bloody Valentine, Chapter House, they don't completely bury the melody. So it's less like you're buried under a thick layer of mud and more like you're staring into a running jet engine. Uh, but um, but the music, I think, is surprisingly accessible for shoegaze. And uh, most of the songs have like a real strong beat driving them. So um, I think this makes a really good entry point for people who are curious about the genre. And it, it certainly was for me. Uh, it turned me into a lifelong fan of the genre, and uh, I listened to the album last night in prep for this, and it still is an unbelievable experience. Um, and the album cover has a cute kitty, so what more <laughs> could you ask for? Monty, it's your choice. Oh, hi. Oh, hi. Uh, I was going to go normal. I have a huh. big list of albums that are only a little obscure that people would say, oh, I think I remember that. But Erica had to challenge me. <laughs> this this qualifies as a swerve from you. 
I'm I'm happy with uh, with taunting Monty into being weird. This is great. So <laughs> goodbye, Sisters of Mercy. Goodbye, Hole. Goodbye, oh, REM, Sonic Youth, and Cake. I am picking, and I'm going to take a deep breath here. Oh, oh no. <gasps> 20 more explosive, fantastic, rockin' mega smash hit explosions, exclamation point. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have to say more. Uh, <laughs> this is from one of my favorite 90s specific <laughs> genres, which is hip artists do weird covers of cheesy 70s songs you recognize. Oh, great. <laughs> this album has the Posies covering Ooh Child. It's got King Missile doing Still the One. The Smithereens doing It Don't Come Easy, and bands I've never heard of. Uh, it's got something called Dayglow Abortions doing a really great loud punk version of I Write the Songs. It's got, there's a version of Seasons in the Sun by a band called The Squirrels that starts with Seasons in the Sun sung, sung by a nine-year-old and turns into The Hustle sung by a demon. <laughs> It is amazing. I'm into this. <laughs> um, this album means a lot to me. It got me through some very hard times in the mid-90s. It's hilarious. It's a sequel to a different album with the same title without the more, and was followed up by an album called Star Power, but specifically 20 more explosive, fantastic, rockin' mega smash hit explosions. Exclamation point. Is, exclamation yep. point. Is so, so good. I've never heard of wow. it, but it's great. And uh, oh, it's Erica. So what have you done? And it's very on brand for Monty. Does it have a cute kitty? <laughs> I don't think it Probably has a cute not. kitty. I'm just going to curse random.org for putting Monty last because it means that I have to follow Monty every time, which is and there is no harder act to follow in a draft than Monty. So I'm just going to say um, it was uh, an album that I listened to throughout the 90s. I still listen to it. It's one of the best albums uh, ever. One of my favorite albums ever. It's super boring. It's Octune Baby by U2. And I pick it. Night. The one U2 album I like. Good job. It's great. I prefer the Joshua Tree, um, but you know what? Who cares? You already it's picked great. it. I, and I already picked the Joshua Tree, right. So, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I could argue that uh, it's not as edgy as people think it is because it's sort of like a lot of standard U2 songs where they put some weird sound at the beginning and then they begin to play the song and it's U2. And it's not quite as edgy as maybe you think. It's just like a weird sound followed by a U2 song and they put it together. But still, it's great. I love it. Uh, and I pick it. Is it explosive? Is it fantastic? Maybe. Is it rock and mega smash hit? Maybe. All right, but there are no explosions, probably. Okay, let's do a third round. Yeah, we did it, everybody. Yes. We did so well. Ooh, we did to get a third Whoa. round, and that means Great job. Brian can tell us what mood he has for the next album. Brian? I, I realized looking at my three picks, Bell and Sebastian, If You're Feeling Sinister, Nine Inch Nails, The Fragile, and this pick, Elliot Smith's self-titled albums, I'm fine, everyone. It's totally fine. Um, <laughs> Let's do a welfare check on Brian. <laughs> Brian, I'll talk if you need to talk to someone. <laughs> Nary a song on here that I skip. I listen to the whole thing straight through if I ever listen to it. Dear God, it's perfect. That like single guitar kind of 
melancholy, empty space. Everything about this album makes me so incredibly emotional in a way that I just, no other album has come close to matching this album's, uh, I don't know, sense of openness, loneliness, space. I don't even know. Uh, one of my all-time favorites. Love a lot of Elliot Smith's other stuff too, but this is the one that I turn to whenever I turn to Elliot Smith. Quinn? So for my third pick, I'm staying firmly in the indie rock category and picking In the Airplane Over the Sea by nice. Neutral Milk Hotel. Yay. This is an album that I knew the single for this album on uh, 1945 for years before I listened to the rest of the album. I don't like I don't know when I first heard it. I feel like I've always known that song. And then at some point I eventually was like, hey, I really like this song. Maybe I should sit down and listen to like the rest of the album. Was stunned to learn that this band has very little music um but it does have this album uh and it's great it, it's such a mood uh it's almost hard for me to describe and but what's interesting is there's a little throwaway thing in, in the tv show parks and rec where april ludgate mentions that this is her favorite band um and that somehow encapsulates how I feel when I listen to this album. I feel like I'm very cool and I feel like I'm April Ludgate and that I am like her and I have like a cool taste in music, um, which is a very dorky thing to say and completely negates any coolness of the album. But it is, it's very atmospheric in a way. I like to listen to it when I'm just walking around and most of the time I don't know what the hell the singer is talking about with the lyrics, but I still like them a lot and I like the the wordplay that he uses with everything. And it's one that I just keep going back to. And it has the added bonus that the O tour behind it is named Jeff Mangum. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That is uh that is pretty good. True story. True story. All right. Sarah. Okay, so if I didn't bring this up in public in front of everyone, I'd be mad at myself forever. And that's Fugazi Red Medicine from 1995. It is a brainy post-hardcore record, and uh, those are my favorite. And this is the top. Guy Picchiato says that he hates the sound of guitars, but he's one of the best at guitars. And the rhythms really chug, and the band gets to be funny, which is great because they're considered to be straight edge and therefore no fun. If you love even trashy skater punk, this is an album for you, but this is a lot more than that. And there's a reason that um, this is on most critics' tops of the 90s lists. Um, it just it just hangs on. I love a bit of Fugazi, and I think I first heard them on uh, snowboarding videos in the 1990s. You mentioned skate punk stuff, but they used to feature quite heavily on snowboarding films as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I saw that in a documentary once where they're like, this is how we got to be popular, these, these snowboarding videos, which is the funniest yeah, well, thing. Yeah. <laughs> James, it's your turn. So I'm going to pick an album that you're going to have trouble listening to today, at least yeah. legitimately. As their last act, as the best-selling UK artists of 1991, oh, God. Oh! they machine-gunned the crowd <laughs> oh, at the no. Brit Music Awards. No! They deleted their entire back catalogue, and they literally set all the profits from their music career on fire. One million pounds worth burned on the same island that The Wicker Man was filmed on. Uh -huh. <laughs> Founding members of The Orb 
formerly known as the Justified Ancients of Moomoo, yeah, and also the Time Lords, <laughs> mm-hmm. makers of novelty Doctor Who song, Doctoring the TARDIS. <laughs> I am, of course, <laughs> talking about the KLF and their final album, The White Room. Uh, notable Ooh. tracks on it include What Time Is Love and 3AM Eternal. I would say just listen to it, but you can't. What time is love? Love it. I can. <laughs> yeah, I can as well. I've got the CD that's next <laughs> yeah. to me. But, but you can't go out and find we it We kept now. them. Yes. What a great album, though. It, it did briefly go up onto um, iTunes and Spotify. Uh, I think it was about five years ago. All their albums went up. And everybody said, oh, this is a great uh, sort of turnaround. Everybody listened to them for about a day until uh, it was discovered that somebody had <laughs> uploaded them effectively illegally to uh, these <laughs> services. I'm surprised they didn't approve of that. <laughs> well, you would think they would. You can get 3AM Eternal for some reason is on some compilation album, but every Everything else on uh, Apple Music is weird cover versions of some of their songs, clearly designed just to put up there so that they get the uh, search hits. Mm, mm. You, I mean, they literally wrote books about all the various weird artistic things that they did. But uh, and how uh, to have a number one single, yeah. Yes. Uh, and uh, it's all a fascinating story. And just reading about all the things they did and their... Uh, falling out with various people in the orb and so on it, it it's worth just reading even if you don't actually listen to the music i'm reading their wikipedia page right now and oh my yeah, god the, the klf yeah quick story about the klf mm. at the end of the 1990s they formed something called the k foundation and tried to build for the millennium a people's pyramid they asked people to mail <laughs> house bricks to them and they would build a pyramid out of them uh they're great devotees of the illuminatus trilogy in case that wasn't already mm-hmm. clear ah. it, it did not uh it did not go through at all they actually made a company called 2k plant hire uh, to build this pyramid and the whole thing fell through but what they did do was hold a 23 minute single concert at the Barbican in London uh, with approximately about 60 performers, including a full orchestra, uh, sorry, not full orchestra, but a a full male choir and uh, some um, orchestra players uh, for one uh, one performance only. 23 minutes precisely it lasted. I was high as a kite throughout the entire thing and it was one of the best (laughs) nights of my life. I, I will say that the million pounds that they burned, they did actually turn it into a brick as well. I think that was going to be wow. the, the centre stone of the People's Pyramid, yeah. The, uh, the album is on YouTube. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so if you'd like to listen, just go to YouTube where that album that you can't listen yes, to. Yes, I know is, it is. I, I listened to <laughs> yeah. it off YouTube yep. earlier today. <laughs> Erica? Well, you don't like following Monty. I don't no, like following James. They're, they're, they're <laughs> terrible. We should just stick them in a room together. I think it's good that every draft has at least one person that just says yeah. a whole bunch of words that mean absolutely nothing. An agent of chaos, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. yeah why do we have two? It's <laughs> a good question. <laughs> I am your fault. You created me, Batman. It turns out for every six panelists, you need one of them to be an agent of chaos. <laughs> and we tripped over into a second this time. Okay. Well, that's just math then.
That's fine. All right. Um, Snell's Law. Yeah. <laughs> in looking at my long list to decide what my, my third pick here was going to be, I, I realized that there's one album on this long list that I have listened to probably continuously, like way more times than any of the other ones, because I still listen to it multiple times every year in the springtime. And I'm not entirely sure why this has become one of my like spring albums, but as soon as things start to melt and you can hear birds and you can smell things again... I I turn to Dulcinea by oh, Toad the yeah. Wet Sprocket. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I love Toad the Wet Sprocket. You probably know the radio songs Something's Always Wrong and maybe Fall Down, but I think the album has way more to offer than just those songs, which are amazing songs. I love those too, but Fly From Heaven I think is mm-hmm. maybe one of my favorite songs of all times. Um and in it it goes back and forth between sort of like the the swoopy, lovely, harmonious songs that you expect from them to things like Stupid, which is a Mm -hmm. great just sort of like you know, bobbing your head to simple, fun little song or or Nancy. Um, and there's one song I don't like. I'm not a big fan of reincarnation song because it's just weird. But uh, but every other track I listen to every time. And I just cannot have a springtime where I don't listen to this at least once. I think Glenn Phillips is definitely one of my favorite songwriters sure. of too. all time. He's just he's just so good. And his collaborations with Nickel Creek are, are also really great. So check those out if you if you like his stuff. But Dulcinea is my is my pick for my third album. really good um I, I think stupid is actually a little more sinister than you're giving it credit for if you live oh it's uh, i just mean like the the, the yes, musical sound of it it's that's, definitely a that's, sinister yeah, song but that's, that's true mm-hmm. and then and uh nancy is literally just uh uh having a conversation about whether people pr- prefer what L- loretta lynn or nancy griffith is that right i think it's <laughs> I very think that it's, might yeah be it. the, that, that's a great album mm-hmm. i uh, well, I had a commute in the mid '90s where I, I finally got a CD player in my car because the commute was so long, and I, this uh, Dulcinea was in there a, a lot, a lot. A CD player in I your know, car? Well, That's crazy. Here's the thing: it was in the it was in the trunk. So once the CDs were in there, they weren't <gasps> coming out while I was driving. Yeah, yeah. So I only had five choices of things to listen to. And uh, yes, I listened mm-hmm. to the, this Toad the Wet Sprocket album in that. What were those lot. five? <laughs> I don't know. They changed a lot. But, you know, I probably, probably Octum <laughs> Baby was in there. Who knows? All right. <laughs> All right. Great. Uh, nice to get Toad represented from the 90s. Uh, Tiff, mm-hmm. it's your turn. Whew. All right. Well, I didn't think I was going to make it to three first of all <laughs> but we are and i would have picked alanis morissette's jagged little pill which i didn't get a chance to because quinn got it first mm-hmm. so kids I'm these down. days <laughs> they are i mean they just get everything they want right um not true at all <laughs> uh, this is i think i'm writing a wrong with this pick because I have a giant list of albums. And if anyone has listened to top four, we've done a top four nineties uh, albums before. And I think this one was on my honorable mention. And I think I regret it not being in my top four. So I, I searched furiously for my notes and I could not find them and I didn't listen to my own episode. So I'm not hundred percent sure about all these <laughs> facts that I'm presenting here, but I am going to pick this album 
for a lot of reasons and mostly because I remember it sitting in all of my my three disc changer it was there often with other albums and I am always happy when I hear it it is uh, Oasis. What's the yeah, story? Yeah, that was on my list. Yeah. <laughs> Mike will be so happy. Yeah. You hear that, Mike? What's the story, Morning Glory? <laughs> I was wondering if today was going to be the day that nobody picks what's the story, Morning Glory, but it turns out <laughs> it's not. not pick this album it is so the sound of it it just is so 90s and great but at the same time it feels now and I think about all the music that I love right now and that stuff like uh you know the main two-door cinema club vampire weekend like all of this stuff I feel like you know oasis falls in line with all of that so easily and when you listen to this album and you go down through what's on here it's amazing how many things are on here like out songs that i can hear instantly in my head the entire song every guitar riff every part of mm-hmm. it every weird especially i mean hello the way the album opens it's so darn good and wonderwall don't look back in anger um champagne Supernova. some might say I mean, yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, it's just she's electric Ugh, i love that yeah. song it's a great album that's my favorite i love it yeah it's a fantastic album and i'm almost uh i'm glad that i got to pick it but i would have picked alanis before it but i'm <laughs> happy to right the wrong of my top four picks that this wasn't included so here we go there it is unless it was and i'm totally wrong <laughs> and i did pick it but i didn't remember <laughs> the only reason this is not on my long list is because i came to oasis so yeah. late that i didn't actually listen to this album during me the too. 90s me too oh i had th- i bought this i think in like 95 when it came out so good for you i had this album <laughs> since the beginning and i early adopter i still have it i still have all my cds in one of those uh, big giant trapper keeper things nice. that when you when you open it up it goes woof. <laughs> I intend to listen to this album someday. <laughs> you should. You probably already oh listened gosh. to this album, actually, <laughs> just in, in bits and pieces. <laughs> I mean, just random things you've said in this episode make up at least half of the album. <laughs> Truth. And I always yeah. remember this one uh, Saturday Night Live sketch where these people in par- British Parliament were, they were all shouting and standing up and saying different things. And this one guy stands up and he says, I love Oasis. And like, I just... <laughs> I just always remember that every time oh I think God. of this band. Just one person standing up in a crowd of people just screaming, I love Oasis. <laughs> it was on my list. Uh, another one off my list. Uh, we'll move on. Shelly. So before I give my pick, I have to say I looked at the link Monty sent us for his incredible mega hit explosions. I'm getting the order wrong. I know. I don't care. And I need to point out that a lot of the ar- artists on that album are Americana artists like Dash Riprock. I want to go immediately and hear John Wesley Harding and Kelly Hogan sing a little bit country and a little bit rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, you and do. I, I, I point that out because that's kind of where I was at in the 90s. Uh, Americana and folk music were and continue to be really important to me. And so for this pick, I wanted to represent at least the folk part of it. And since I couldn't rep- get everybody in, there's no room for Patty Larkin and John Gorka and Lucy Kaplansky and Dar Williams, I decided to pick Patty Griffin's Living with Ghosts from 1996. It's her first album, a very folky album that actually got some radio play and got people to listen to her amazing voice. And then she followed it up with this great rock album, Flaming Red. It's really hard for me to choose between the two, but I think Living with 
with Ghost is like essential Patty Griffin and just the way she sings the hell out of all those songs with with very spare production, but production that works in a context that's larger than the singer-songwriter shows I used to go to with like 50 other people. It's, it's a little bit bigger, and she continues to do amazing work, but Living With Ghost was such a great debut album. Why are you chopping that wood now? Why are you blowing that corn? Mama's sewing a brand new shirt and you're wearing the one that's torn and I guess it's for someone else's kid who wasn't born in a poor All right, sounds great. Let's uh, go to Anthony. Well, I likewise had to sort of pick between two albums by the same artist for my third pick, uh, and the artist is Public Enemy. Ah. And it was a it was a close call between Fear of a Black Planet or Apocalypse 91, The Enemy Strikes Black. And Fear has some truly iconic PE tracks like Welcome to the Terror Dome, Fight the Power, Burn Hollywood, Burn. But Apocalypse 91, The Enemy Strikes Black is the album that I play more than any other public enemy probably more than any other hip-hop album at all to be honest on this album this is a theme they're at the height of their powers chuck d has never sounded better or more aggressive terminator x and the bomb squad's music is more artfully constructed than before while also somehow being harder and sharper and the lyrics are some of the most socially conscious that pe ever wrote classics like one million bottle bags by the time i get to arizona move and Can't Trust It, which is possibly my favourite Public Enemy track ever. Listening to this album, it, it's just, it moves. The whole album moves and fills me with vicarious, righteous anger, which I'm pretty sure is the idea. <laughs> it's just, it's so good. It is possibly the best hip-hop album ever recorded, in my opinion. And like, I mean, like... I was introduced to hip-hop by the Beastie Boys, like so many UK kids my age. Yep. But it was Public Enemy that made me love hip-hop. And to my mind, they are still and always will be the best. Invincible Public Enemy number one. I'm glad you picked that because that means I can still have Fear of a Black Planet on my long list. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> Great album, both of them. He Got Game, also a really good Public Enemy album for that decade. Really underrated. It, it's it's good, but it's not as good as these two. No, it, uh, well, it's not, you know, one of the best albums ever made like those are, but, you know, it's <laughs> good. All right, Steve. Oh, boy. I, uh, I didn't realize we'd get to three rounds. Mm. I'm glad we did. <laughs> It's the crazy round, Steve. Oh, no. yeah. oh, it is crazy. It is crazy. They're all crazy. Yeah, I'm going to pick another album that nobody's ever heard of. Shocker. Uh, all right. I'm, I'm going to take uh, Lily's Exame the Photon Band from 1994. The Lilies are kind of a weird band. Their frontman, Kurt Heasley, is a is a musical chameleon, and he's completely changed his musical style on 
just about every one of their albums. Uh, they started out as a really good My Bloody Valentine clone. After this album, they would morph into a Birds revival band. Uh, but for this one <laughs> glorious moment, they were Pink Floyd in 1971. <laughs> like Floyd's best work, this is an album that you just lay down and float around on. <laughs> So get get an air mattress, kids. Get an air mattress. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Literally, you're not listening to this record properly unless you are laying on your back on something soft with your eyes closed and really just digging on it. The opener fades in on a bed of the quietly chugging guitars, and they're gradually joined by this throbbing bass drum heartbeat, and it, it just drifts along like an inflatable raft on a gentle river, and then suddenly you end up in the rapids and go over a waterfall, and then you're dead. The end. <laughs> It's fantastic. Um, most of the album, I will say, is slow and languorous, to be sure. Um, detractors might say stuporous. I wouldn't, but I could see their point. Um, but there are also some more concise pop-oriented songs, like uh, Day of the Monkey and the Hermit Crab. But even those are just loaded up thick with atmosphere. Um, so the album in Toto, it's just kind of an experience. It's the sort of album that was increasingly rare in the 90s. And uh, I really, really love it. But like I say, you got to be in the right mood for it, and you got to be in the right, uh, the right headspace. Hmm. If you are, I think you'll really appreciate it. If you're not, you'll probably hate it and think it's terrible. No, you're stuporous. That's what you say to those people. <laughs> no, you're no, you're stuporous. Monty, stuporous is as stuporous <laughs> does. Uh, I have a great example in separating the artist from the art. The whole album, Celebrity Skin, is a perfect mm -hmm. pop-punk album. Every mm -hmm. song on it is great. I know Courtney Love is a mess. Yep. I don't care when I listen to this yep. album. I love all of it, just top to bottom. It's fantastic. Uh, Billy Corgan did some production on it. Some people say he secretly wrote some of the songs. All I know is Courtney Love is credited on all the songs, and she did all the singing and guitar work. Celebrity Skin by Hole is a great album. Oh, make me over I'm all I want to be I'll walk and study In demonology Yeah, it's really, it, it, it is an interesting uh, question about the art and the artist. And uh, I, I, I think suggesting that a man must have written the songs for her is just the pinnacle of... Yeah. how women are treated women artists are treated that's amazing i hadn't heard that one before i would also suggest that a lot of musicians are drunken messes they're just not all as public about it as courtney love, was. Courtney love yeah <laughs> it's fair celebrity skin will always stick in my memory because um at the time uh the, my roommate at the time had a friend who came to visit who was manic depressive and had stopped taking his meds and he turned up with a stack of about 30 cds that he'd bought um, and I remember he stayed with us for a couple of days. And on the second day, I looked outside at one point and this guy, uh, was playing celebrity skin at top volume, uh, on a boom box. And he had lit a bonfire in one of our planters and was dancing around it. Uh, and I think it's, it's the perfect, I think the perfect state for, uh, for listening to, uh, to a whole album. So, yeah. <sighs> All right, um, I'm going to close out the third round in the official part of our draft. We will still go around and get everybody to give a long list of all the things they didn't pick mm -hmm. uh, after I close it up. 
one of my favorite albums of the 80s is So by Peter Gabriel. Uh, it was such a big hit that he basically stopped making albums after that and released two albums over the course of the next infinite number of years. But uh, despite <laughs> my frustration with his ceasing to be a productive music artist in the way that I wanted, uh, he did ultimately release the follow-up to So in 1992. Seven years later, it was called yep. Us. Um, and although it was a long time coming, it is probably the album I listened to the most in the, in the nineties. It's beautiful because it's overproduced because I think he recorded it for seven years and then had somebody go through all the tapes and figure out what the heck they were going to do. But it is a beautiful album, um, from start to finish, Uh, a lot of great, very different songs on it. Um, I do, I I do still wonder what would have happened if Peter Gabriel had continued being the artist who released a new album every two years after so, and how that might've made his career, um, more interesting and varied and better. But instead we got like two highly polished, uh, rocks dropped 10 years apart. One of which is very good and is us. And the other way of one is hmm, highly polished, which is up. But Us is uh, is great, and I love it. And so I pick it. Peter Gabriel. There he is in the 90s. One album. I remember being so desperate for a new Peter Gabriel that I got whatever the soundtrack album he did for, oh... One of the Jesus movies. Oh, oh, sure. The oh no, the Last Temptation. Yeah, yeah. Passion. It's a great, yes. um, a great instrumental album, album yeah. right? Yes, I really actually like it. Um, yes, this period, by the way, uh, the US period is also was the pinnacle of him live. Yeah, Secret World Live. Uh, if you the Secret World Live, yeah, video is just yeah. absolutely fantastic. It really is like the best live version of peter gabriel i got to see that tour and it was great and it it was like watching all the other bands i was going to see in the in the early to mid 90s were um more loose bands that they on the drop of a hat would play a random song that they had thought of uh whereas that tour it was like watching a a bit of theater it was going to be the same every night because it was all highly choreographed and all the props and he had a phone booth and the whole thing but it was great great theater all right, and that brings us to Bring Out Your Dead. Uh, oh Brian, boy. Bring Out Your Dead. All right, so I was sniped for They Might Be Giants Flood, Weezer's Blue Album, Octung Baby, and What's the Story Morning Glory. Uh, I also had all the you know standard big hits like uh, Pearl Jam's 10, OK Computer, Nevermind, Dookie, uh, Melancholy and Infinite Sadness, and Super Unknown. Did not pick any of those. Uh, Tied for, of course, tied for uh, the fragile for Nine Inch Nails was the downward spiral, but I chose the fragile for personal reasons. And um, between Blue and Pinkerton for Weezer, I really like Pinkerton more. Sorry, Tiff. Um, And then I also had Rage Against Machines' Evil Empire, uh, Real Big Fish's Turn the Radio Off with a sellout, their big hit, Marilyn Manson's Antichrist Superstar. And then I didn't really want to pick two uh, weird things on (laughs) on this uh, draft, so I didn't pick (laughs) Reservoir Dogs soundtrack, Pulp Fiction soundtrack, or the (laughs) Rent original Broadway cast recording and then the self-titled my list has six <laughs> self-titles on it sublime <laughs> third eye blind white stripes slipknot and then the ones that i did mention already uh weezers and and uh elliot smith i think we should just call this episode the incomparable as a nod to self-titled or eponymous <laughs> which itself is a title but also means self-titled which was what, yes. rem right rem yeah, yeah. 
Okay. Thanks, Brian. Quinn? I kept my short list pretty tight, and I did get my top three picks right <laughs> wow. in a row, which was awesome. Well, you know, you pick second, but still quite a victory lap there. Good job. I, I am <laughs> feeling very you. blessed. Uh, I did have a couple other picks as backups. Um, Nimrod by Green Day, uh, Fashion Nugget by Cake, and mm. Baby One uh, More Time by Britney Spears, uh, yeah. which is unapologetically great. Uh, and set up Brittany of course had an amazing career over the next decade um and it's still great and of course i also have to give a shout out to the rent original cast album which i didn't want to pick for uh choosing normal album reasons sure. but of course is very special to me and i love it very much all right sarah okay uh in no order um uh, about four matthew sweet albums but if i were going to really pick it'd probably be in reverse from 1999 huh. uh bjork homogenic uh, the Lemonheads, Come on, Feel the Lemonheads, Siamese Dream from Smashing Pumpkins. Yes. Uh, my favorite band's favorite album, Super Chunk, No Pocky for Kitty. Uh, this Dismemberment Plans, Emergency and I. Nice. He- Helium, The Dirt of Luck, Pavement, Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain, That Dog, Totally Crushed Out. And if I were to tell you any of you to like actually listen to any of these, because it just sounds like a list, I would tell you to go get Luna's Penthouse. All right. James. Well, I'm impressed that almost none of my picks have gone. Um, This might be because of the sort of UK nature of a lot of them. But anyway, my fourth pick was going to be The Prodigy, The Fat of the Land, um, which I think is probably one of the best albums they did. But the rest in chronological order. We have Public Enemy, Fear of a Black Planet, Metallica, Metallica. Rage Against the Machine. Rage Against the Machine. A lot of self-titled ones here. Uh, (laughs) The Incomparable. incomparable. (laughs) Tori Amos, Little Earthquakes. Uh, The Chemical Brothers, Exit Planet Dust. Left Field Leftism. DJ Shadow, Introducing. Daft Punk, Homework. Fatboy Slim, You've Come a Long Way Baby. Massive Attack, Mezzanine. Air, Moon Safari, and Moby Play. Oh, good, good. I know what kind of music James likes. Erica. Yeah, it's fairly <laughs> obvious. Uh, let's see. Okay, things I didn't pick. So as I said, Hollywood Town Hall by the Jayhawks. Um, Countdown to Extinction by Megadeth was another one of those rare albums where all of my siblings and I had to each have our own copy of it. Um, I mentioned Facelift by Alice in Chains. Uh, Nevermind by Nirvana. I know it's almost hacky to mention it, but it. It, genuinely, it genuinely did blow my mind. I'm amazed that none of us picked it's it. It's on my list. 10 by Pearl Jam was, I think, my actual favorite album in the 1990s in terms of how much I loved it and how much I listened to it. Um, I am disgusted at myself for how few women are on my list. So I am very happy to mention that Fly by the Dixie Chicks is a fantastic bluegrass album. I love bluegrass. Um, It's really good. Um, Feeling Strangely Fine by Semisonic is one of, I think, the most underrated albums because Closing Time got so overplayed, which is such a a shame. That album is is kick-ass. Sister Sweetly by Big Head Todd and the Monsters. It is just a, a awesome mellow album that I still listen to semi regularly. Um, Sarah McLaughlin's Fumbling Toward Ecstasy because you got to have uh, some yes. moody CanCon sure. on the list. Uh, Better than Ezra's Deluxe. Just adore that album. I also had some Nine Inch Nails. I had both Pretty Hate Machine and the Downward Spiral. Uh, the Weezer album that I had on my list was Pinkerton. Yep. I it's weird and I just freaking love that album so much. Uh, it's less poppy, but that's kind of why I uh-huh. liked it. Uh, 
for Stone Temple Pilots, I had Core and Purple. I loved my grunge. Um, no Prayer for the Dying is not my favorite Iron Maiden album, but it's the only one I really know from the 1990s, so it was on the list. <laughs> uh, the only Duran Duran album I've ever owned is the Wedding Album, and I really, really loved it. I also had Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette. That was sniped. Um, like I said, I was into grunge, so a grunge supergroup, Temple of the Dog, had sure. to be on my list. Yep. Also the single soundtrack because, yeah, basically, yeah. it's just it's, it's a supergroup in and of itself. Green Day <laughs> is one of my favorite bands, so I had Dookie and Insomniac both uh, on the long list. Uh, and uh, Desire Walks On by Heart. Not their greatest album by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, my favorite one of theirs from the 90s. All right. Tiff. I've never felt more basic than being That's in this okay. group right now. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here with you. It's fine. <laughs> she, she basic. She, she's so basic. I'm basically going to uh, list off everything I listened to on K-Rock back in the day. So nice. uh, I have on my list um, Ben Folds 5, Whatever and Ever on yeah. Men, The Presidency of the United States of America, their self-titled album, Collective Soul, uh, Collective Soul. Stroke Nine, nice. Nasty Little Thoughts. <laughs> I had Alanis on there. I had Green Day's Dookie. I had Counting Crows, August and Everything After. Oh, yep. Live yeah. Throwing Copper. <laughs> How did I miss that? <laughs> and uh, Dave Matthews, Under the Table and Dreaming, because I was a romantic teen who fell in love too quickly. And um, Tonic's Lemon Parade, which is an album that no one ever listened to, but I thought it was really good back then, and I'm sticking with it. Um, I think that's basically it. Besides my picks, which I'm super glad that I got because I'm looking at those three and I'm thinking about them in my three disc changer. And <laughs> that seems seems pretty solid to me. I could live with those for a long, long nice. time. <laughs> uh, Shelly. So I put all mine into categories uh, under the mainstreamiest of mainstreamy things. I had REM Automatic for the People, Cheryl Crow Globe nice. Sessions under... Uh, back up for my first pick, the um, the Sherry Knight. I had Julie Miller, Broken Things. I had trouble. Those are very similar albums, and I had trouble deciding between the two, so I had to make that one a backup. Uh, songs that made me homesick because I was living away from home in the middle. Albums that made me homesick, but that I loved. Tony Price, Swim Away, and the naughty ones, I Dig Your Voodoo, which are both Texas-based records. Uh, in the country, folk Americana, Vane, Mary Chapin Carpenter, Shooting Straight from the Heart, also Come On, Come On. Lucinda Williams' Sweet Old World and Car Wheels on a Gravel Road. Couldn't decide which, but I think I like Sweet Old World just a little bit better. Patty Griffin, Flaming Red. Cheryl Wheeler, Driving Home. Patty Larkin, A Go-Go, which is a live and sort of greatest hits album, but really tremendous. Dar Williams, Mortal City. And oh, yeah. a very late discovery, but I love them now, and I'm surprised I didn't know about them in the 90s. The old 97s, Too Far to Care. All right. Anthony. All right. Gird your loins. Um. Um. <laughs> Settle in. Hang on. I have to turn down my microphone for I that. I have to do that. <laughs> the soundtrack uh. to an audiobook of a William Gibson novel. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I have actually pruned this down quite a bit, I promise you, but there is uh, still a list. Uh, so deep breath. Don't panic. There is a big jump in the middle. Aphex Twin, Selected Ambient Works, Volumes 1 and Excellent. 2. Incredible mm -hmm. collections from the master of early techno ambient that still sound light years ahead of most other bands. Art of Noise, The Seduction of Claude Debussy, an amazing yes. concept yeah. album around Debussy's life and work. It is beautiful and innovative and bonus narration by John Hurt. Atari Teenage Riot, Delete Yourself. This would have been one of my main picks if we'd gone to more rounds. 
debut from the digital hardcore electro-punk pioneers who literally stole money from a record label to make this album. Crackling with energy and defiant youth. Or Tecra in Kunabula or in Kunabula, depending on your pronunciation, one of the finest techno-ambient albums of all time, an absolute tour de force. B-52s, good stuff. I know people not the B-52s later albums, but I love this one. It is full of great tunes and positivity. Beastie Boys, nobody mentioned Beastie Boys. Ill Communication, come on, Sure Shot, Root Down, Sabotage, <laughs> Sod Paul's Boutique. This is the album that showed the Beasties were back. Yeah, take that, Paul's yeah. Boutique. <laughs> Absolutely. Billy Joel, River of Dreams, his finest album, and yet somehow the one that killed his career. Tragedy, because it's his best work. Björk, Post, the pinnacle of her career, mixing innovative techno and great songs before she got too weird even for me. Black Tape for a Blue Girl, this lush garden within. Peak album from the maestros of gothic darkwave. The Cassandra Complex, Cyberpunks, that's with an X. If the original Art Halsorian cyberpunk role-playing game had a soundtrack, it would be this album. <laughs> Covenant, Europa, true gothic techno classic. Every other track is a dance Everybody, we've filler. reached the point where I think Anthony's just saying words. I don't even know what they <laughs> no, no, mean. No, no. I know what most of them mean. Which keep is saying so- them, keep saying James them. James knows yes. what I'm saying. David Bowie, Outside, his last collaboration with Brian Eno and his last great avant-garde concept album. Dead Can Dance, Ion, beautiful, Ooh. spiritual, melancholy. You've heard of Dead Can Dance, but you've never listened to them? This is the album. Daft Punk, were mentioned earlier. Homework, yeah. one of the greatest debuts yeah, of yeah, all yeah. time. Yeah, you've all heard around the world. Now go and mm-hmm. listen to the rest of the album. It is just as good. Jim Kirkwood, Where Shadows Lie, the first of his Middle Earth albums. Kirkwood was a crazed lone genius of the Berlin school who basically invented dungeon synth and he distributed his original work on mail order self-produced tapes. You cannot buy this anywhere, but I have his entire Middle Earth and Elric cycles and I still listen to them now. Yeah. Higher Intelligence Agency, Free Floater, more great ambient techno, this time by a bunch of guys from my hometown with an album cover designed by a guy used to share a studio with so yes i'm biased but it is still great ice tea og original gangster six in the morning the tower home of the body bag what an album lamb self-titled debut incredible arrhythmic drum and bass with beautiful vocals this album got me through a very bad trip in 1997 and that alone is your recommendation oh where'd you go leveling the land you could not move among early 90s uk alternative culture without hearing this album over and over modern pop folk that makes you want to get up and dance all their other albums are rubbish but this one still rocks massive attack mezzanine the soundtrack to urban midnight throughout the turn of the millennium moby play how many times did we all play this on continual repeat it's great nasa oh yes symphonies of the planets Monty's probably heard this one. It's an amazing album where they literally <laughs> took the radio waves emanated by the planets in our solar system and turned them into two and a half hours of ambient drone. Brilliant. NASA employs nerds. <laughs> Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, Murder Ballads. How did none of us pick oh. this? It is so good. We could do an entire episode on Red Right Hand alone. Nirvana, never mind. Again, how did none of us pick it? Prodigy, Faster the Land. James mentioned it earlier, just where dance music finally became stadium music. Brilliant. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Oh. Yes, I know everybody hates the Chili Peppers now, but this album is brilliant. Lou Reed and John Cale, Songs for Driller, posthumous tribute to Andy Warhol, the first album that they made together in 20 years, the last album they ever made together because they hated one another, but that makes it brilliant. It's a real lost gem. Lou Reed solo, Magic and Loss, his finest late era solo album, a beautifully sad meditation on life and death. Shaman, 
boss drum, drug-fueled psychedelic dance, one of the finest moments in British pop history was seeing the shaman on primetime Top of the Pops BBC yep. TV shouting, he's a good, he's a good, to a baffled public. <laughs> Soundgarden, Super Unknown, the best album. Little bit too long, but what would you cut? You can't, nothing, it's all too good. <laughs> Underworld, dog no bass with my head man. Technically their third album, but the first one from the, you know, sort of proper iteration of the band, melodic hybrid techno that foreshadowed the later massive success. Sod the Train Spotting album, listen to this one. Wu-Tang Clan, enter the Wu-Tang, 36 chambers, uh. bring the ruckus, Wu-Tang will never die. And finally, at last... Yanni, live at the Acropolis. And you nice. can call me a sad old hippie all you like, but this is a fantastic album full of great songs by a brilliant composer, and that is good enough for me. And I'm spent. You sad old hippie. Intermission. <laughs> wow. wow. I like the fact that I feel very basic in comparison. I love the 90s, man. To I love this. the 90s. That was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Steve. <laughs> Well, first, I want to thank Anthony for taking the heat off of my list, <laughs> which is also way too long and unhinged. Um, if you girded your loins for his list, you might, might as well keep them girded. Actually, if you went out to take a leak during his list, you might want to go take care of any additional bodily functions you need. Stay inside. Uh, so here we go. Uh, the long <laughs> preface really makes this, too. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, we start with Slow Dive, Suvlaki, and Ride Going Blank Again, two of the towering classics in the shoegaze pantheon. When you've fully absorbed Whirlpool, this is where you should go next. Tripping Daisy, Jesus Hits Like the Atom Bomb, a massively underappreciated album. Uh, this is the inflection point where Tim DeLauder turned from a fairly straightforward alternative rocker to the whacked-out goofball who would later helm the polyphonic spree. Uh, already mentioned the Boo Radley's Giant Steps, wonderful, uh, eclectic white album of dream pop. Curve, Doppelganger, uh, an ironic title given that a few years later, the band got their own doppelganger in the form of Garbage, who appropriated their sound, <laughs> polished it to a radio-friendly sheen, and proceeded to make it big on the radio. If you like Garbage, you will like Curve. Go get an album. It's great. Uh, Pixies, Trompe Le Monde, the best Pixies album. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. I would tell you otherwise. Don't let her. Uh, <laughs> Don't listen to Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> and you would be wrong. Yes, it feels like a Black Francis solo album. Uh, if it makes you feel any better, the next entry on my list was The Breeders' Last Splash, which is basically a Kim Deal solo album, and I might actually like better than any single Pixies album. Uh, while we're on the subject, Frank Black, Teenager of the Year, oh, for my good. money, his best solo work. 22 tracks that sprawl all over the map, nearly all of them terrific, uh, assuming you're down with lyrics about Pong and the Three Stooges. Jane's Addiction, Ritual de la ah, Habitual. Crossed uh, out. <laughs> the first side, which includes the hits, is fine, if a little uneven, but side two makes a hard turn into four long, brilliant, slow-burn epics. The Judy Bats, down in the shacks where the satellite dishes grow. No album has ever captured being young, geeky, and trapped in rural Tennessee so perfectly. <laughs> You may not think you need such an album. Trust me, you do. Uh, Radiohead, OK Computer, what? maybe the most albumy album of the decade. <laughs> the first half is sublime. <laughs> For me, it kind of peters out on side two, or it would have been higher up on the list. Prolapse, The Italian Flag. <laughs> 
uh, a diminutive English girl and a seven-foot-tall angry Scotsman who is also an archaeologist, each of whom seems to think the band is playing a different song shouting at each other. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> Supergrass, I Should Coco, the sound hey. of dangerously concentrated youthful enthusiasm. The irony of songs from this album being used in ads for rheumatoid arthritis meds is staggering. <laughs> As are people with rheumatoid arthritis. <laughs> uh, it's funny because it's true. Uh, happy Mondays, pills and thrills and belly aches, just the grooviest party ever crammed into a little shiny disc. Jesus Jones, Doubt. Uh, right yes. here, right now is the oh, mega yeah. hit, but there's a whole lot more on offer here. The whole disc is great. Morrissey, Bona Drag. Uh, Morrissey's best solo releases are the early singles he did with Stephen Street, and this compiles nearly everything from those onto one convenient disc. Jellyfish, Spilt Milk, a 60s pastiche that successfully channels Queen and the Beach Boys and marries them to crunchy power pop to great effect. Super Furry Animals, Gorilla, an eclectic psychedelic collection of fantastic tunes that are sequenced in perfect mixtape order. You don't always get that. It's a great album. Cake Fashion Nugget, already mentioned. Uh, he's going the distance. He's going for speed, etc., etc. <laughs> Such a great album. Uh, Belly, Star. This is Tanya Donnelly oh, yeah. from Killing yes. Muses. Going solo. The overall mood of the album is ominous and creepy, but it also contains three of the most perfect alternative pop songs of the decade in Geppetto, Slow Dog, and Feed the Tree. Mm-hmm. Liz Ferry got sniped. Uh, has to be a Stereo Lab album on here. I pick Mars Audiac Quintet. Mm-hmm. Um, like most Stereo Lab albums, a lot of vintage synthesizers, uh, a lot of droning krautrock grooves, and a French chick singing about the joys of Marxism. What's not to love? The Beta Band, the three EPs. Oh, yes. Who is this? The Beta Band. It's good. I know. I know. Blur, uh, Park Life, and or The Great Escape. I already picked Modern Life is Rubbish on the all-time draft, which tells you how great I think that is. These two come very close. I think the slightly darker Great Escape just edges Park Life for me. On a related note, Elastica, self-titled. Sure, they cribbed a lot of this album from Wire. I don't care. It sounds so crunchy and fantastic. Gorky's Zygotic Monkey, Barafundal, a bunch of Welsh kids playing so weird. saying words now. Yeah. Are they words? No. Weird, psychedelic Welsh folk, sometimes singing in Welsh. Uh, it's like an album made by gnomes. If that sounds appealing to you, go for it. <laughs> Uh, Belle and Sebastian got sniped. Um, the Apples in Stereo, her wallpaper reverie. This is a band whose whole charter is replicating the sounds of the 60s. Yeah. Here they take on Magical Mystery Tour and totally nail it. And finally, Smash Mouth Astro Lounge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the album with All Star. It's okay. You can admit that you used to really love All Star. I will back you up. And the rest of the album is pretty much like All Star, which is great. Hey, now. <laughs> Somebody once told me this album was not that good, but they were wrong. Is that it, Steve? Uh, yeah. Well, they weren't it. the sharpest tool in the shed. I mean, I could jump to my long list oh. if you want, but. Let's hold that off. You just email that to me. Um, mm-hmm. Watch for the file size limitation of email attachments. Monty. Okay, well, I'm going to start with The Velvet Underground Live, M-C-M-X-C-I-I-I. That's their live show that they did in Paris in 1993. They tried to have a tour after that, but they broke up again. Um, <laughs> I know it's weird to have a live album from like 20 years after they were actually a band, but the thing is, everybody's a better musician in 1993 than they were when they made their great (laughs) studio albums. So if you've been thinking about getting into Velvet Underground, but you can't stand how atonal it is, I get it. Try the Velvet Underground Live 93 in Roman numerals. It's all really good, and you'll go, oh, 
that's what white light white heat that's where the melody is i get it now and then you can go back to the original and kind of get it better it's a really good uh set of live versions of the velvet underground's catalog uh rem they had some great albums in the 90s i am fond of the last couple monster and especially new adventures in hi-fi has such a melancholy tone i love all the songs on it uh sonic youth go uh the muffs first album also called the muffs if you want to hear uh great pop punk fronted by a female singer with the best scream it's the muffs it's so good uh jane's addiction got sniped so i'm gonna take the first porno for pyros album which was called ah, porno for pyros not bad eponymous uh, perry farrell real weirdo <laughs> but i like his uh bands usually at first uh there is a guy named heather alexander james adams who used to perform as heather alexander and the albums wanderlust and midsummer are really good filk albums that's kind of a folky fan nerd type yeah. thing there is a band called Big Daddy, who is a novelty band. Uh, basically, they, their gimmick is they're a 50s band who got put in stasis, and then they came out of stasis in the 80s and 90s, <laughs> and they do covers of modern songs as though they were 50s songs. And their albums, Cutting Their Own Groove and Sgt. Pepper's. Sgt. Pepper's is a cover of Sgt. Pepper's Only Hearts Club Band, where you get like what if A Day in the Life were by Buddy Holly instead? And it's really good. <laughs> uh, Concrete Blonde, Bloodletting, and Sisters of Mercy ah. Vision Thing are two albums I have listened to a million times. And we'll How listen did to I a million forget more. Concrete Blonde? Oh, Damn I it. No, it's a good album, you guys. <laughs> it is. I, I would have picked Vision Thing, but I picked Sisters in the 80s draft. So Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Vision Thing is barely 90s, but it's a really good album. Uh, Belly got sniped, so I'm going to replace that on my slot with Ween. Uh, I'm going to say Pure nice. Guava, actually, because oh. that's the one with Push the Little Daisies. And I happen to like Push the Little Daisies and don't care what the band or anyone else thinks. <laughs> <laughs> and I like it too. Eve Six. Uh, I don't know if anyone remembers Eve Six. They had an album oh, called yeah. Eve Six with a great song, Inside Out. All the other albums, Such all the other songs on the album, also great. Uh, my They Might Be Giants pick from the 90s, Apollo 18. Sorry, I really like Apollo 18. I'm going to throw in No Doubt, uh, Tragic Kingdom. Huh. It says here I listened to Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 a million times, and I somehow <laughs> enjoyed it. Nice. So I'm going to stand by that. Those are weird albums. Mm-hmm. I'm going to mention a few soundtracks. The Nightmare Before Christmas soundtrack is super good. Uh, oh, and now these uh, soundtracks here are going to sound a lot like Antony's section. Uh, they are the soundtracks for Pi. The Matrix and all yep. three soundtracks for the hackers. You're going to get some Apex no Twin in there two. somewhere. And here are some compilations because the 90s were a great time for compilations of, like I said, people doing weird covers. There is a Saturday Morning Cartoons album, which is mm. 90s alternative bands doing a good one. old uh, Saturday Morning oh, yeah. Cartoon covers, which look really great. There's an album called Shut Up Kitty, a cyber based covers compilation with. An incredible version by KMFDM of Mysterious Ways. Nice. Uh, It's really good. It's a bunch of industrial bands covering stuff like that. Uh, Tom's album. Okay, you know the Suzanne Vega song, Tom's Diner? And how a band called DNA took the hook, the... And made that into kind of a techno song. Techno Techno is the right word. Well, Tom's album is a collection of covers 
of Tom's Diner, mostly covers of the DNA version. So you've got a reggae version. You've got a live version by R.E.M. when they were performing under the name Bingo Handjob. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and, huh, Jock Jams Volume 4 <laughs> is what I'm going to end with. All right. <laughs> that nice. was the best volume. There's a lot of good songs on Jock Jams Volume 4. Oh, and uh, Surprise Your Pig, a collection of R.E.M. covers. Okay. Is this freedom rock, man? Um, my leftover list Turn it up. was um, <laughs> OK Computer. It has been mentioned a couple of times. Um, my They Might Be Giants choices, John Henry, which I really love. I think that is my favorite album of theirs. Um, no hits on it. It's just a great album. Uh, Try Whistling This by Neil Finn. Neil Finn from Crowded House, his first solo album. And although Crowded House is my favorite band... This might be his best album, solo album. Um, Listen Without Prejudice, George Michael mm. from 1990. Great album. It's volume one is as it's listed. He then got in a dispute with his record company, and it was years before he released any new music. I also have that what if George Michael had continued to produce and not gotten in a dispute with his record company because this album was uh, a real creative progression from Faith and uh, kept it poppy, but also had a bunch of other stuff on it that was um, really showing a lot of our artistic progression. And it's a shame that this sort of uh, just kind of ground to a halt. Um, Apartment Life by Ivy. Speaking of Adam Schlesinger, who I picked mm -hmm. in the first round for Fountains of Wayne, he had a whole other indie alt rock band in the 90s with a singer who was from Paris. And uh, they're great and super chill. And people haven't heard of Ivy. So you should check out Apartment Life. It's a great album. Uh, Irresistible Bliss by Soul Coughing. Uh, Super Bon Bon, one of my favorite songs of the 90s. Um, here, here. So i uh, got to mention them. Nevermind, Nirvana, whatever happened to them. Oh, right. Um, mm. <laughs> uh, I can't believe that nobody mentioned anything related to the Spice Girls. <laughs> oh, I, I did put it on my list. It's just unbelievable, isn't it? And that's, and that's why I pick <laughs> Northern Star by Melanie C., which is a fantastic pop album <laughs> after she left the Spice Girls. People of the world. <laughs> I almost had Spice World on my long list. Almost. Oh, I should have. Or the star from 1999. It's really good. How did she not name that album Still Spicy? That <laughs> <laughs> was taken. One of the other ones used that already, probably. Mm. Um, a Night on the Town, the last Bruce Hornsby and the Range album, and the only one where they refused to record demos so that they couldn't put the dumb piano demos with drum machine on the album as the final tracks sounds great. And then they broke up and that was it. Uh, but it's a great sounding album. Lots of guitar for a piano guy. Uh, it's really good. Pankerton by Weezer. Yeah, it's Woo. a great album. I already had, I had, I had blue album on my list, but I also deeply love Pinkerton. Rumor and Sigh by Richard Thompson. A uh, great record. Mop Tudor also good from the 90s. Richard yeah. Thompson. Uh, producer Mitchell Froome, who did the Crowded House albums, uh, also did Rumor and Sigh. I got to see Richard Thompson and Crowded House uh, together at one concert. And you can't believe the sounds that come out of that like one guy with a guitar. It's impo like impossible that it's just the one guy. And yet it is. He is a genius. And that's a really great album uh storyville by robbie robertson produced by daniel lenoir who did uh, the u2 and peter gabriel albums um it's great i love it um 13 is my selection from teenage fan club i had a lot of teenage fan club albums in the 90s uh just unadulterated power pop 
so great, but 13, I think, is my preference, even over Bandwagon-esque, which famously won the Best Album of the Year award from Spin Magazine the year that uh, Nevermind came out and everybody got really mad. <laughs> uh, but I think 13 is <laughs> a better album. Um, Tuesday Night Music Club by Sheryl Crow. Yeah, I know. There nice. was a guy who wrote all the songs with her and then she left him by the side of the road and became famous, but it's a great album. Uh, Pearl Jam 10, also like Versus, but 10, I think, is the one that I listened to a million times. Uh, CDs didn't wear out, which is good because I would have worn it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, my So, Sarah, my Matthew Sweet choice is uh, likewise not, I, I'm not able to choose between uh, one. Uh, so I chose the pair of 100% Fun and Blue Sky on Mars, which make a really nice, they're rubber sole and revolver, basically. Yeah, you could pick any number. I if it wasn't one, it's yeah. another. <laughs> um, Marshall Crenshaw, Life Too Short, another great power pop album from the 90s uh, that I played uh, over and over again in my car in uh, my senior year in college, actually. Uh, Whatever and Ever Amen, Ben Folds 5, and um, discovered uh, August and Everything After by Counting Crows my uh, first year at Berkeley, which is great because they're a band from Berkeley, and that was really fun to hear <laughs> all these songs literally mentioning streets I was walking down while listening to the album, and that is a great experience. <laughs> uh, if you're ever on La Loma or Virginia, uh, listen to Counting Crows because that's what they're talking about, <laughs> and the singer is a huge Cal football fan, so I see him around all the time now. I see you, Adam Duritz. I see you. all right that's it we've reached the end one last time i want to thank i know it seems like we only started five hours ago but it was actually four hours ago so i want to thank all my (laughs) panelists one last time they were if you didn't already figure it out brian hamilton quinn rose sarah gardner james thompson erica ensign tiff arment shelly brisbane anthony johnston steve lutz and monty ashley Thanks, everybody. And we hope we've given you a billion different albums from the 90s to go listen to. And uh, you should go do that. Maybe we'll post we'll post them. Look in the show notes. They'll be all the albums will be in there. I know it might be expensive to go out and buy all the CDs at the store, but trust us, yeah. it's worth it. Oh, yeah. also Kerosene Hat by Cracker. Okay, thanks. Super oh good. <laughs> and if we all survive Y2K, maybe we'll see you in the 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, everybody, for listening. Goodbye.